And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, I'm holding a certain book in my hand, and I have to tell you, I am tremendously excited about my next guest. And his name is Patrick Morley. He's an author. He's also a founder and executive chairman for Man in the Mirror, an organization that I knew a little bit about, but not the depth of what they do. And I normally don't read bios straight from websites, but I have to tell you, I'm actually going to do that if you go to maninthemirror.org. Org. Oh, no. You're going to find oh, that. He's a, he's laughing about it, but it's so beautifully written, and I love what this man does. So Patrick Morley, again, as I said, founder, executive chairman, man in the mirror. And after building one of Florida's 100 largest privately held companies by the age of 35, Patrick Morley thought there must be more to life than this. There's got to be. Motivated by his own search for meaning, purpose, and a deeper relationship with God, he started a weekly Bible study in a bar with a handful of guys in 1986, a study that now reaches thousands of men around the world every week. Inspired and challenged by those studies and conversation, he wrote The Man in the Mirror, named one of the 100 most influential books of the 20th century. The deep hunger he saw in men for a more authentic life led him to start Man in the Mirror, a global men's ministry impacting thousands of churches and millions of men. Widely regarded as a leading authority on men's issues, Patrick has written 22 books and more than 750 articles, all focused on helping men solve their most compelling problems. Patrick Morley, welcome to the show. It is an honor and a privilege, my friend. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Noah, and greetings to all of your listeners today as well. It's good to be with you. Well, as I stated, you've written 22 books. I mean, that's no light feat. And we're talking about two of them today, actually, one of them, which is very near and dear to my heart in, in pretty big depth. So uh, first, I want to preface that I picked up the, the book, The Dad in the Mirror, uh, off a of free table some years ago, back when my kids were, you know, just wee tykes, and they're now in their early 20s. It was about 2003, I believe, I picked it up. And it's encouraged me. It's guided me. It's driven me. It's helped me feel not so alone other than knowing that God was with me, which is a big part of today's discussion. And the name of the book is The Dad in the Mirror, which you co-wrote with David Delk. And I love the subtitle, and that's how I kind of want you to talk about it. How to see your heart for God reflected in your children. Man, that's something we all want as fathers at the end of the day, isn't it? Well, we ache for it, don't we? We uh, The most interesting relationship in the world is the parent-child relationship. It's just something about bringing a, a human life into the world that's just so extraordinary. Uh, but there are so many challenges that go oh, on. Oh, yeah. With it. You know, there's a lot of things they don't tell you in Lama's class, right? I looked for that instruction manual, my friend. I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's interesting. I, I grew up. In a uh, with a mom and a dad who were really wonderful people, but they never really had much in the way of training on uh, how to be a, 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 a mother and a father to myself and my three younger brothers. So uh, I actually ended up quitting high school in the middle of my senior year. So you can kind of just imagine some of the problems. Some of you are listening out there know what I'm talking about. I uh, joined the Army. My dad wasn't going to let me hang around the house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was so interesting because um, the Army was very good for me because 
Uh, as my wife said when we were dating, you know, I think your mom and dad just gave you too much to say. In other words, I had kind of license to do whatever I wanted mm. and didn't have a lot of good, good boundaries. And the uh, the Army was good. It uh, provided discipline, you know, some, some boundaries for me. And so uh, that was kind of a, the beginning of a turning point. And then I took the GED test. That's the high school equivalency test, yeah. if anybody doesn't know. And then uh, started taking night classes at the uh, North Carolina State University and came out of the Army with my freshman year in college under my belt and then went on to you know, get the, the college degree and some other degrees as well. And uh, But the, uh, the thing is, is that I wanted to be – my dad wanted to be a cycle breaker. My dad's father abandoned him when he was two years of age, the youngest of four children. Mm-hmm. And so he, he never felt the scratch of his father's whiskers. He never heard the soothing voice of his daddy reading him a bedtime story. He never had his hair tussled. He never wrestled on the ground, never threw a ball in the backyard, never heard a truck door slam at the end of the day, signaling that his dad was about to come back into the family orbit. And so he was basically left uh, to, to, to guess at how to be a husband to my mother and a, and a father to my, myself and my brothers. And he, you know, he really did the best he could, but there were some things that, that went, went haywire. And uh, so, like I said, I quit high school. And then my next uh, brother, he, he followed in my footsteps. He eventually died of a heroin overdose. My next brother uh, never held a job for more than six months until he was 50. And then uh, my youngest brother is a recovering uh, alcoholic, drug addict, and divorced. And uh, my dad just never saw it coming. And so uh, the reason that I'm so passionate about helping men find meaning and purpose in life and how to be good husbands and dads and so forth is just my own experience. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense to me. I'll have to tell you, I always tell people this. I told you briefly before we started this interview is when I'm over, I'm asked, you know, hey, you always wanted to do radio. Is that your, you know, is that what God has given you? Is your calling in life? I'm like, it is my career. It is something I have always been interested in since it's Young as I can remember, I loved playing radio, pushing buttons, you know, making my own little mixtape radio shows. And here I am, you know, doing it as a career for 20 plus years. But I always say that is not what God has called me to do. What God has called me to do is my mission in life even still into their early 20s, is to be the best father that I can be. It is my lifelong mission, and it can, it's continuing. It's just evolving, but I love being a father. There's nothing greater. No, no greater joy, Patrick. Yeah, and you know what? I can tell you're a great dad, too, so thanks for being that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Let's uh, say if we wanted to pick you know, one or two things out of this book that we could just pass along that would be helpful uh, for the people who will never read this book. I think maybe uh, you might have a suggestion, but I was thinking maybe we could just draw the distinction between fathering for, for, for performance and fathering the heart. Would that be a good thing to talk about? It's actually very funny you wrote that because I made a couple of notes of what to talk about regarding the book, and that was the first thing that I wrote down here. So God is definitely leading the conversation. All right. Well, Noah, great minds think alike, and so do we. Exactly. <laughs> but And I have to say, the fact that you brought this up, when I was becoming that dad and figuring it out, you know, when the kids were so young, that's actually kind of the mindset that I had. Well, they have to do the right thing. They have to do things in a certain way. It's performance-based. It's behavior-based. And that is, at the end of the day, I... Now, I don't father that way at all. 
Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Well, I think one of the reasons we have such a crisis today among young men, especially in their 20s and 30s, one of the big reasons is is that dads have not been trained to know the difference between fathering for performance and fathering the heart. So let's just, let's just talk about that. Yeah, let's explain that to the so, listening audience. So what is, let's yeah. start with performance-based. What is performance-based? All right, and so we, we know that... Uh, we want our kids to do the right things and behave in the right ways. But fathering performance for performance means that we focus on trying to get rid of unwanted behavior and then just replacing it with acceptable behavior. And uh, But that doesn't really get at the motives of why there might have been the, this misbehavior, whether it's staying out past a curfew or it's just a, a little child throwing a temper tantrum. You know, why did they do that, understanding the why behind it? So uh, there was a little boy, uh, and he uh, he punched his sister. And uh, so uh, the father said, well, if you do that one more time, you're going to be restricted to your room for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, no TV, no, no music, no you know nothing. And so, you know, he lowered the volume, right? But what happened two days later? Well, the fist started to fly again, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the reason for that is because, uh, you know, if you have enough promise of reward or threat of punishment, uh, a threat of punishment, you know, most children can exercise some self-control, at least uh, for a short time, to, to, to perform. Fathering uh, for the heart, though, the, the difference there is really understanding, you know, what is what is the reason behind uh, the behavior? Father, your heart helps the children to not just behave right, but also to believe right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. at, at the end of the day, I mean, that's really what it's all about. I can't tell you how many more. Um, behaviors that didn't happen over and over again when I sat down with my sons as they got older and had that heart-to-heart conversation, not punishing them, but having that heart-to-heart conversation about what was done, why it was done, why you did it, you know, why wasn't this done instead? And if you can really get that emotional connection to your son or daughter being a father, at the end of the day, that's really what it's all about. And that's about changing your child's life for the better and they're going to appreciate it yeah so listeners i hope that that's uh, one idea that you might be able to dwell on and from the book the dad in the mirror and uh, hopefully that might be of help to you I hope so, because I have to tell you, as I said over the years, and I'm actually challenging myself right now because I know I love the content. I'm going to read it straight through. Having this book for, wow, it's 2021 now, since about 2003, and never reading it straight through, just picking it up whenever I had a really hard moment, and literally it would be an issue where I would pick it up, and whatever you know I opened up upon is what I would read. And it would really seem to kind of coincide with what I was dealing with at the time. It was just amazing. But there, but I, there's so many good nuggets in here that you can get as a father. And what I really want to speak about now is why do you think, Patrick, now more than ever, that children are in need of a loving, involved father? You know, whether it's a, in a stable marriage or whether it's somebody that's had an experience like me where they're a single father trying to get through this, it seems like kids of today are dealing with so much more. Yeah, there, of course, the, the, this is a good discussion probably that points to what's going on in the world and the culture, right? And the culture shifted pretty dramatically. You know, it's interesting, uh, if you're listening here, 
the core affections of the human heart have not changed. They're the same as they were when Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. That's why a man who's 80, 70, 60, 50, 40, 30, 20, or even 15 can pick up that book and still have it speak to them because the core affections of the human heart have not changed. But what has changed are the issues that we're confronting in culture. And uh, the culture is uh, increasingly uh, untethered from uh, a Christian worldview, increasingly untethered from that. And so there are a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of influences. Uh, there's a lot of things, you know, we can talk about. It, it doesn't, we're not going to solve them, but, you know, you can at least mention, you know, the gen- gender confusion, for example. You know, what does it mean to actually be a man? And uh, so it, 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 and then, you know, you look at the internet, social media, uh, there's, there's no nobody listening to this broadcast today has a child who is, uh, let's just say, 12 years of age and older who has not seen pornography because of the Internet. Mm. So pornography, you know, it's just a huge problem. Well, that just wasn't a problem. You know, the, the Internet really didn't get cooking till around the turn of the century. And uh, it started, you know, mid-1990s, but really didn't get cooking until about 2000. But think about this if you're listening. Uh, there's no teenager alive today who knows anything about the 20th century except what they read in a history book. That's very true. Interesting, huh? Yeah. 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 So why do you think fathers seek the right performance? I know we were just talking about that, but why is that kind of the initial go-to? Okay, well, that behavior w- w- was bad, so we got to whip that up and, you know, and make sure Junior is doing the opposite of that as a priority from their kids. I mean, as I said, I've done this, but why is that kind of like the gut reaction as a father that you go to that? Well, uh, speaking for myself as my, as, a, as a father, and I think every father listening to this is that we, we want the best for our children. We want them to do well. We, we want them to be successful. Uh, the, the idea is, is that we misunderstand the, the means that God has given us to get them there. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, you, you know, there's probably some dads out there who, you know, want to look good because their children are doing well. But I think in, by and large, I mean, let's face it, no man fails on purpose. There's no man listening to this broadcast who got up today and thought to himself, well, I wonder what I can do today to be a bad dad. To mess stuff up. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And so uh, to uh, the, the, uh, the wisdom uh, to do that, though, uh, requires help. Uh, I have a saying, a Bible, a small group, and serving someone else will solve 90% of your problems. Mm. So I think the idea of having men get in small groups with other guys where they can talk about the real problems and do life on life together, that's what Man in the Mirror does, is that we really just help men figure out how to become followers of Jesus and uh, really live the life that they, they want to live that they maybe are not equipped to do. And to pass that on to their children, too, how to be able to see yeah. that in the heart of their children, that that's something that's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm very curious, Patrick, and we'll talk about your new book towards the end of the interview, but how did this book come into fruition? Was it a co-effort from the, from the get-go between you and David Delk, or did one of you kind of have a catalyst that said, hey, this is a book that needs to be written? Well, I, I, taught, I taught a series called The Dad in the Mirror. Uh, David probably, probably taught a couple of those sessions, too. David, uh, at the time, he's on our board of directors now. At the time, he was the president of Man in the Mirror. And uh, so I was wanting to do everything I could to help David uh, have a writing career as well. And so I asked him to co-author 
for me. So, yeah, so he had to do the grunt work of taking my messages, and then uh, which were transcribed, and then uh, putting them into a first draft. And then it was a back and forth after that. So, But, uh, yeah, definitely a joint, a joint effort, though. I love as well. It's always kind of grabbed me. I think it was what initially grabbed me when I picked it up off the table so many years ago. But I love the picture of the man and the kid, and he's showing his son how to shave in the mirror. That, for me, says it all right there. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. The uh, imitation is such a powerful tool in, in parenting, and that's why you know dads uh, uh, do better when they uh, you know, are walking with the Lord themselves. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we're seeing with younger guys in their 20s and 30s right now is that they, they do want a spiritual father now. The, the problem for many of them is when they look around, they don't see any older men that they feel are worthy of emulating. So uh, one, of the, one of the campaigns that we're just kicking off right now is uh, to develop 10,000 spiritual fathers who will, uh, we're going to train them. We're going to show them how to be spiritual fathers. And uh, and then the, encourage them, challenge them to go and find a younger guy that they can be a spiritual father to, to maybe make up uh, some of the deficits that maybe they didn't get there growing up. You know, a lot of guys today uh, are growing up in uh, single parent households. You know, that's, that's mm-hmm. part of the way it is these days. And so, uh, yeah, that's the answer. Something I else that I love in the book is. It just it's really grabbing even the first time I read it and it says fathering the heart means reproducing who we are. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. The Apostle Paul said in First uh, Corinthians chapter eleven, verse verse one, he said, uh, uh, "Imitate my life as I imitate Christ." And so the uh, the idea here is that it's reproduction, right? But it's not just. Uh, biological reproduction. It's also re- reproducing character. Mm. It's reproducing, you know, so my, my life word is integrity, for example. And I got that from my dad. My dad was the most honest man that I ever knew. In fact, if I'd have ever made a racial slur or ethnic, uh, uh, derogatory ethnic comment, I would still be black and blue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he was just, a, he, he was just great in that way. And so he modeled that for me. And so that became my, my life word as well. Make sense? That yeah, makes perfect sense because mine's always been on me. It's related, as you just said, but honesty for me is that's always been my yeah. word as the kids have been growing up. They've asked me and they've heard me talk about there's one thing that you can be that shows who you are as a stand-up individual is that no matter what, at the end of the day, you're honest. Well, they're synonyms, right? In integrity and honesty. That's right. Synonyms, right? Yeah, exactly. Two ways to say the same thing. Yeah. Senator Alan Simpson retired. He once said, if you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity, nothing else matters. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Noah here and across the county, and Patrick Morley is my guest. Just an honor and a real treat to have him on the show. He's founder and executive chairman for Man in the Mirror. You can go check him out at maninthemirror.org, maninthemirror.org. And he's also co-author of the book we've been talking about, The Dad in the Mirror. It's not their newest book, but I have to tell you, if you're a father, it is a read that is going to give you years of tools and years of insight. I know personally firsthand.
and please pick it up. Do yourself a favor. Well, there's also a new book you have. It's called The Four Voices, Patrick. I'm pretty excited about this. It's taking control of the conversation in your head. So what is this work about and what can your readers expect from going through it? Okay, well, we'll get into that. Uh, by the way, I wanna, we have a couple of uh, staff members in California, so if you have churches out there that are interested in learning more about Man in the Mirror, you can uh, go on our website. Uh, and anyway, Lewis Thompson and Larry Nigley are right there in your area in the county. Yeah, let me just say that they help, uh, if you want a little bit of a snapshot of the organization, Man in the Mirror, they help leaders provide a discipleship pathway for men in their church. It is something that I think should be done more of, and so you guys do a great job with that, that we have some here in California. That's a huge asset to our state. Yeah. Well, the four voices, uh, the, it's very, it, the, the premise for the book, uh, listeners, is very simple. Uh, we each have, and we all know that we each have, a running conversation with ourselves all day long. But we're not the only one voice in the conversation. There are also four other voices in the conversation that are constantly exerting themselves to influence what we think, say, and do. Uh, those four voices are the world, the flesh, the devil, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, your job is to figure out which voice is speaking and then make the adjustment. So I wrote this book so that uh, the reader would be able to sort of parse out these different voices. A lot of times they're talking over each other, too. But the uh, the idea is to be, to be able to to thoroughly understand where these voices are coming from and what the objectives of each voice, what each voice is trying to accomplish. And then really to most of all help people to be able to respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's powerful because I have to tell you, especially when you're talking about, and I know we all have dealt with this as Christians, having all of the voices talking over each other at once and knowing which is which, that can be pretty, if you're not knowing what is actually speaking to you, that can be a pretty big headache. <laughs> it can be a pretty big headache. Uh, my first uh, memory of this is as a uh, fourth grader, I uh, went into a convenience store and there was a, a display of ice cream sandwiches. And Noah, at that moment, I wanted an ice cream sandwich more than I'd ever wanted anything <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and so I, uh, but I didn't have any money. I didn't have enough money at least. And right. so I heard this voice in my head said, go ahead and uh, take one. Uh, no one will ever know. Mm. And so I did. I walked over and I grabbed an ice cream sandwich, fourth grader, yeah. ice cream sandwich, put it on my shirt and walked out of the convenience store. Uh -huh. as, soon, as soon as I got out the door, I hear another voice. You weren't raised like that. You need to take it back. And uh, so I did. But uh, the point of that is, is that one voice was either my flesh or perhaps the devil speaking to my my human nature, my sinful nature. And then uh, it was God's voice that was telling me to take it back. And so, yeah, being able to make a distinction between these different voices and parse them out. You know, the, the Bible uh, says that the, the, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. And uh, so you know, what I wanted to do in this book is to help people to be able to tell the difference.
Well, I have to tell you, it wasn't an ice cream. It was a high-tech, really cool-looking flashlight. And I was I don't remember what grade I was in, but I was fairly young. And I did the same thing. And uh, the, you know, the flesh told me, take it. Nobody will know. You're going to have this cool toy. It doesn't matter if you have the money or not. And I got about two steps outside of the supermarket where I had taken it. And God kind of chimed in. He said, nope. Your parents didn't raise you that way. This is definitely not something that you would normally do. I didn't tell you to do it. Go back in there and put it back. And so that's what I did. I wonder how many people listening today have had the same experience. Right? <laughs> I have that a bunch. Yeah. So. Yeah, I am honest well, to a f- and that's where my and my my honesty I guess stems all the way back to that. It has always been my my kind of my core principle. And even then, I knew nope, shouldn't do it. Yeah, I think the uh, the thing that I wanted to do uh, on top of helping people to be able to parse the voices, I I wanted them to be able to make the adjustment. Remember, I said you know the idea is you know your job is to figure out which voice is speaking to make the adjustment. Yeah. And so at the, at the end of most of the chapter, and I've got some worksheets in here to help you kind of. Uh, the reader kind of get uh, acquainted with how these different voices work. Um, yeah, like a, a quick start guide, if you will. But then uh, also uh, in several of the chapters, I have a section at the end called Making the Adjustment. And then I have, I think it's 27 different, very practical, down-to-earth ideas. Kind of like the, the practical ideas you're talking about on the Dad in the Mirror. I've got the same kind of practical ideas, 27 of them for how somebody can uh, take control of the conversation in their heads. Pretty good, huh? That's good. Well, you know, it's often those tools that make it a lot also easier to get through. But when you apply those things practically, you get it, it clicks, you understand it, and you can pass it on to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've all heard a message and we go nod our heads and we agree with everything is said, but then we don't know what to do about it. So you need to, right. you need the tools, you need the resources, you need the training. And uh, so uh, that's in the book as well. Where's the best place for people to pick up this brand new book? Well, they can get it on Amazon, of course. The uh, As it turns out, the, uh, the, the official... The official trade release will not be till March, but it's available on Amazon now uh, on Kindle and uh, in hard copy and paperback. And then uh, we have a very unique program at Man of the Mirror called Books by the Box, booksbythebox.com. And people can go to booksbythebox.com and buy these books in quantity. And uh, I probably should have opened that up before we, we came on <laughs> okay. here. But uh, at, at booksbythebox.org, you can get these books. You can get you can get a case of forty-eight of these books, and uh, and then uh, you can get also get a case of twelve. So if you had uh, you know a small group, you wanted to go through the book, you could uh, get a case of these books. Um, either twelve or forty-eight. You've got forty-eight. Give them away in your church. That kind of a thing. So you can get them at man in the well, you can go to maninthemirror.org and on one of the drop down menus you can find um, the four voices and then also you can go to, go to uh, Amazon. Well, that is awesome, and I hope people check out your ministry. You guys do so much great work, even here in California. Uh, this definitely won't be the last time I talk to you. i got to have you back on. There's so many great issues we could talk about and connect with people's lives. Uh, in closing, what I'd like to do... Excellent. He's already he's already accepted, folks. You're going to have him back. What I'd like to do, because I did have you on mainly for The Dad in the Mirror, which is another phenomenal book. If you didn't hear the entire interview, go back on the 
podcast section and listen to the entire interview as we break down this book just a little bit and what it's about and why he wrote it. But what is your, as a father, I'm curious, what is your favorite moment of raising your children? Well, uh, it'd be hard to pick out one, but I know that there's one activity that we did that really made a uh, a couple of activities, but one activity, uh, I used to date our kids. And so I was pouring myself into business and then ministry as well. I was doing both for, for a long time. And uh, it occurred to me one day as I was preparing a Bible study that I was giving all of my best hours to these men whom I love and care about and feel called to help, but I was not giving the same amount of effort to our uh, own, own children. Mm. And so I, I implemented a number of different things uh, in order to do that uh, more effectively. One of them was I just started dating our kids. So every Tuesday night, I would take, we have two kids, I would take a different child every Tuesday night, and we'd go out and we'd get something to eat and maybe go to a, to a uh uh, you know, a ball back when they had balls, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> or uh, uh, or an ice cream store, or go to a music music store back when they had music stores, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and so, uh, and, and let them get a piece of music. But the, um, the the interesting thing is, looking back, I would say that most of the meaningful conversation that I've had with my kids took place on those goofy nights. That's awesome. Isn't that interesting? That is. Yeah. Yeah. One, one more idea. I tell you, guys, if you're out there, do this, and <clears throat> not only will it help your, your children, your, li- your wife is going to love you. So every Saturday morning, I took the kids. I would uh, Saturday morning was mom's day out, and so my wife would go out. She'd go to McDonald's. You know, she'd start at McDonald's, and then she'd run a few errands and just have some mama time. Mm-hmm. And uh and so we're playing shoots and ladders and, you know, Candyland and all the, 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 the little kid toys all morning long. And, you know, shoots and ladders, that's a great game, right? You have to have the IQ of a goldfish to play it, right? Oh, so it's I, so yeah, complicated. Very strategic. Couldn't beat my kids. Couldn't beat my kids <laughs> shoots and ladders. <laughs> Even when they were four and five, you know. So there's a couple of thoughts, a couple of practical ideas. Yeah, one one that it sticks out in my mind, and it was an annual tradition, or we, as school seasons came and gone, so it was about twice a year, is no matter what my schedule was, no matter what I had planned, I always made sure that the kids, the very first day of school, I would take them, we would go on a ride, we would go wherever they wanted to go for breakfast, I would pick up whatever they wanted, and then their OCD dad that wouldn't let any food allowed in the car, like, this is the one day, guys, we're going to go get your favorite breakfast. You can eat in the car, take it on the way to school. And it was just a nice tradition that we started from when they were in kindergarten, and we literally did it until they graduated high school. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Noah, you really are my new favorite hero. Oh, the, the, the feeling's mutual. We're going to have to do this more often, my friend. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah. Well, I highly suggest you go check the Man in the Mirror organization out. They do, again, so much good in building men up in the church and being great fathers. Man in the Mirror.org. Man in the Mirror. 
org. You can also pick up two great books right now. Go to Amazon. Go to some of your favorite bookstores. And bookstores still exist. It's one of my favorite things I like to go to. Uh, the Dad in the Mirror is an older book from 2003. I highly suggest you pick this one up. And then there's also his newest book, which is definitely going to allow you as an individual to really uncloud those voices in your head. It's called The Four Voices, Taking Control of the Conversation in your head. Patrick Morley, thanks, my friend, for just taking a half an hour with me and just having a great conversation and enriching lives in the process. Thank you. And across the county, thank you as well. Well, Noah here on Across the County, we both thank you. And we'll see Patrick Morley next time right here.